inescapable. Through the years, it's always it's always snuck in. Like even even in the Bush years, you know, occasionally I'd write songs that were a little political, but you know, it was very it's kind of masked and maybe people just thought it was just more word salad. I didn't really worry about it. And these days, I feel like it it comes out. It yep. comes out more. And I don't even I don't even mean it to. It just uh, if if I have to be if I'm gonna be honest, like it it's just something that's on my mind a lot. So yep. it it comes out. I find it's a case where it's just like just walking around and doing normal things. It just sort of it just seeps its way into every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I I, I just try and communicate my personal experience yep. of it and maybe express it. As a metaphor for for different things, like one song, higher beams. It's it's about the world, but using as an analogy, like a relationship that you don't want to be in, but yeah. you can't figure out how to get out of it. That and, is sort of the sense, isn't it? There's just the yeah, there's like like kind a, of an existential dread. I think that's just pervasive these days. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a line in that song. It's like you know when you when you can't afford to leave. It, 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 I was just thinking of like people who stay in a relationship because they it's too expensive to yeah. try and find, especially it's in New York. That's such a New York thing. Yeah, like like we if if we uh, you if can't we break, break if we lease. break up, I'm going to need ten thousand dollars to to put first the next month, and you know. So I, I, I was thinking I was thinking of that, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, I feel like every song you could probably go through it and find something like that. There's always been this sort of this love it or leave it line, you know? I mean, that was definitely a thing during the Bush years. Mm-hmm. It's the same question with everything else, which is like, you can't just go. You can't just leave the country. Certainly, you but, can't leave the planet. But, but the whole love it or leave it line is is complete bullshit. Sure. Like, it, like it's only... People only say that when it works for them. And when it doesn't work for them, it's like, no, it you know, it's something else. Just like people used to... You know, Russia used to be the thing, like, go act where, see what it's like to live, you know, live in Russia, you pinko, like, you commune. Now it's like the same people that were saying that a few years ago are suddenly like, oh, Russia's our best friend. In a sense, it's a, your patriotic duty to stay and try to make it better, right? Mm-hmm. Although, not my patriotic sure. duty, I'm Canadian. Yeah. But my wife is American and my son is American, well, half American. So is that how that works? Well, if if, if your father's a Canadian, <laughs> sure. then you're. A, it's not like Judaism; it's not passed through the mother's side. You know, the interesting thing is he has two passports, yeah. and we were told, like, don't don't tell anybody at the border that he has two passports. When you're going into America, just show the American passport. Mm-hmm. When you're going into Canada, show the Canadian passport. What's the thinking behind that? I I yeah I think because they're just so. You know, there's so much prejudice, so yeah. much stupidity, that why make your life more difficult by, by saying, like, oh, he has both passports. It's always felt like the U.S. and Canada were pretty kindred spirits. And, and certainly yeah, the, or I, the border crossing has been easier up there than, like, Mexico, for example, for, yeah. you know, reasons of immigration. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that's changed in recent years? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have... I don't really have problems anymore because I have a green card and, you know, like I'm Canadian with a green card, yeah. so it's, I'm, I'm doing, I'm sure. doing pretty well when I cross, you know, I feel like I've got more document, I've got more documentation than the average border guard does. Yeah. So, I, and also, you know, I'm just a 
straight white guy. You know, I'm even super pale. You know, I've even got the red hair. Yeah. I've even got the red hair to push it, push the point how white I am. So I don't, I I don't get harassed. I used to get harassed when I had long hair because you know I looked at, you know in the, in the grunge years because then it was like I was a weird looking punk and all of a sudden they hated me. You know, it's just. It just—it all comes down to this ignorance of people don't like somebody that looks different. That—that's why like people don't understand. Like, okay, you—you you hate people that aren't white. Once we get our, once we get rid of all the people that aren't white, they're coming after you. Yeah. Then we're gonna then they're gonna be yeah. looking about like, okay, who are the weird white people? Who sure. are the white people that we don't like? You know, like it's you think that's well, sure, like, never gonna stop prejudice against Italians and and Irish people. I mean, obviously the, the Jewish thing is still pervasive, but that that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I know, and, it, and it's it's insane. Yeah, in the lead up to to Trump and 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 since, do you have these conversations with your wife of just like, hey, you know, I have Canadian citizenship. We could always she she's the one that really wants to go. Yeah, it, is that still Plan B for you? Yeah, I, I think so. She wants to go to Vancouver mm-hmm. and. Which is where I'm from, and we know people there, but it's insanely overpriced. Yeah. And also... Is it worse than New York? In its way, it is. Yeah. It's like When you consider how much people make... Sure. ...compared with what you get, like... Like a like a tear-down shack in Skid Row that you're just buying for the plot of land is, like, over a million dollars. It's just... It, it, it seems more absurd because you understand... You understand why a one bedroom apartment is six or seven hundred thousand dollars here. Yeah, it's just oh, because look where you are. Yeah, um, but it's not even that much. You can get a one bedroom apartment in the East Village for like probably five hundred thousand or less. But you get to be in the East Village, so there's a logic to that. The logic of a one bedroom being six or seven hundred in Vancouver is a little lost on me. So and I've talked about going to Montreal as a town I love, but. You know, my wife doesn't want to go there because there's a language problem and it's hard to work if you don't speak French. Um, I mean, I don't want to have to leave. Do you miss the city? It's I, I, New York. I miss well, just, or just city. I mean, you're um, in Woodstock, which is pretty rural. But it's only two hours from here. Yeah. So we can come, we can come to New York on day trips. So I, I love that. It makes it so easy. We can say, hey, let's go to the MoMA today. Let's go to, you know... Museum of Natural History, let's go to the Met today, or anything I want to do. And I, I like that. I mean, like, it's easy to come and do stuff like this. Yeah. There's something about living, I think in cities in general, but but New York and, and other kind of large, tightly packed cities specifically, where it just, you feel like you're just kind of punching a muscle all the time. It's really, it's it kind of wears on you to, to live in the well, city. It's a little, even when I'm driving. Yeah. Well, you just have the, like a crazy commute from Midtown, which... Yeah, like, well, like when I have to be the driver, all of a sudden I realize, like, okay, I understand what I didn't like about being here, or yeah. even just walking the streets for a while. Like, like yeah, this is kind of like it, when you, when you live here, you real you you learn that you should avoid Times Square. Like, you don't you don't yeah. want to be stuck there. Like, don't accidentally be walking and find you're in Times Square because then you really hate New York because. It's the New York that has hardly any people from New York in it. Is Woodstock a, a good place for you in terms of being a professional musician? Yeah, it's yeah. one of the best places to be. It's really? Per capita, I can't think of a place that has more musicians. It's a, it's 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 absolutely insane, and you know, you, you know, you see legendary musicians there. You know, like oh, there's Donald Fagan, there's John Sebastian, you 
Um, and your wife is connected to the Levon Helm. Yeah, area. yeah. She she manages it. So, yeah, like I saw Jackson Brown there last yeah. year. And it's just, just it's an interesting collecting place for people. Like, or, um, or the actor Brad Dourif lives there, and we're friends with him. And you know, he came to our show, and it's still like kind of exciting. Yeah, like yeah. See, seeing how like my bandmates respond. Like, like, oh yeah, we we see him around regularly because he he lives here, and, and I forget. Yeah, he's like a famous Oscar nominated yeah. actor. It's a, it's yeah, it's like I said, it's a great collecting place for people, and so I feel like we met a lot of great people there. We have a lot of good friends. What role does music play in your life when you're off tour or or not recording a record? Um, you know, I think I'm always. To some degree, I'm always, like, tinkering on something in my studio. And if, if I'm not doing that, it's because I'm, I'm busy doing something else. Yeah. Just being a normal person who has to go shopping or... Do you have to sort of set yourself that regular schedule in order to get stuff done? Not necessarily. I mean, it's, it's easier for me to do now, I think, because, like, my wife, my wife is working semi-full-time. My son goes to school. So it gives me... It gives me those those days where, like between, like between nine and three o'clock, I I can for the most part, unless I have to run errands for some reason or do something else, I could say I'm going to work six hours today in the studio. And I, I rarely do that, but it's ni- it's nice if a, if I can get a few hours in, like you, like authors will try and write five pages a day. Yeah, you know just. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's finished. Or if it doesn't matter if you're throwing it out. Pages. And I feel that way. Like it's good to just get in and work for an hour or two on something, and then maybe come back and, and listen to it and think, okay, do I like this? Is this is this really good, or is it something worth working on? With the hope that if I do that enough, you know, I'll get it will eventually come together and there will be a snowball effect they say the most important part of writing is is editing and for musicians it seems to be important to to leave something to to let something sort of sit by itself for a while and then revisit it with fresh ears yeah and because sometimes you forget that you did it and then you can that's the best kind of fresh ears it's like you're listening to it as if yeah it's not even you it feels good in the moment as you're creating it but you you know it it could be terrible <laughs> you need to go back yeah and yeah and i don't even feel like the feel i think because i'm always like working on so many yeah. different little things like if i go back to something and i don't think it's good you know i can just like i can go past it and go okay okay i don't worry you know don't be sad that that didn't work like go into the next yeah. thing and maybe you'll go back to that idea later maybe you'll go back to that idea and go Okay, what if I played it like a ballad? What if I sped it up by 20 BPM and it, and it was like an upbeat song? And all of a sudden, like, oh, there it is. I sped it up, and now it's a now it's an upbeat song, and, I, and it's much better. I think it was on the last record you were describing some of the songs as being almost like kraut rock, but everything you touch sounds like you. That's the hope, and I trust that. Um, I make this assumption, no matter what I do, that it will it will sound like me. Like I, I try, I try to remember that, and that makes me, that makes me feel like I can do things that I think are weirder. Like on this record, there were some, you know, there's some kind of strange strings on them, mm. and I thought, 
well, it still doesn't sound like us. It's yeah. just, just going to sound like us with these bizarro strings on them. You haven't rejected something because it doesn't fit the, the new pornographer's mold? Not really. The first solo album I did in 2004 was filled with songs that were leftovers that I thought yeah. didn't belong in a pornographer's record. And then well, I put that out and that got a really good reaction. And then I thought, maybe it, it doesn't matter what I think is the pornographers. And then from that moment forward, I thought, pornographers will just be whatever I want it to be. So then, you know, after that, um, ballads started showing up on pornographers' songs. Like, Twin Cinema had a couple of ballads, and Challengers had, you know, more than a couple of ballads. I just thought, we can do whatever we want. How much does the dynamic change if there aren't those, like, two to three dance songs on? I think the dynamic is... That is for the listener to decide. Like it doesn't affect how I make okay how I make music. It's not like a Lennon McCartney situation where he's pushing you. No, no. Like like Dan would have his songs and that was it. And then I would be in the studio working on his songs, but he was never in the studio working on my songs. Yeah. So what it you know I I've said to people it's like if you want to know you want to know what this record would sound like if Dan was still in the band, just like. Take a couple songs from his last record and mix it in with the album that we made, which and is it, and like, it's, and it's something very much like that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to think because like he's gone he's gone in some really interesting directions in the past couple records. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to imagine like a you know like a 14 minute electronic jazz song on a, mm-hmm. on a new pornography. Does he have any 14 minute long songs? In I mean, he's, there, there's a couple recently where they, he's been sort of like he's he's been stretching out kind of mm-hmm. in, in, in interesting ways, but it it does seem like. Like regardless of the, you know the fact that there's ballads or whatever direction you're going in, the, the the pervasive theme you know whether it's your song or one of his songs is that it's a pretty tight you know three four minute pop song. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the new pornographers to me. Yeah, although we we you know sure we've gone over that, but and people will sometimes complain when we do. It's like why is this song five minutes yeah. long? It's like well other people are allowed to make five minute long songs. Does the dynamic change when you're the sole person driving production? Not, not really. No, I think every every time I'm I'm in the studio, I'm just trying to make the song sound as good as I can sure. make it sound. I mean, I've become more savvy in the studio, so a lot of the things I want to do, I can I can just do. Whereas before, I needed someone to, you know, help me do it. A lot of musicians tell me that bringing in producers, bringing in different producers for different records is almost like bringing in like a new member for the band, that it sort of changes the, yeah. the direction. I could, I could see that. Like, I've, I've never wanted to work with another producer because out of, out of kindness to that producer. <laughs> like, I, like, I wouldn't want to waste that producer's time. Or because, be over their shoulder breathing into the... Yeah, because the thing, time. I feel like, you know, like, I, I have a pretty good idea of what... I want us to be, and I don't. I don't want to make that leap of faith. Like just because you made, you know, like working with Dave Fridman or something. It's like, yeah, you made some amazing, amazing records, but that doesn't mean that that will work. That doesn't mean that you will come in here and transform yeah. us into Tame Impala yeah. or Flaming Lips or any other yeah. band that we would magically like to be. Um, and then there are other producers like Steve Albini, where I feel like they're just really great, no nonsense producers, and I, I think. Oh man, he would not tolerate us for a second. <laughs> he would like he would he would he would not tolerate me yeah. walking into the studio and going, 
Yeah, the song's only about half finished. I just wanna, I just, I just wanna work on it and just see where it goes. Is that you standard know? for you? Yeah, because I know a song will change in the studio. So sometimes they're finished, but a lot of the time I think I'm not gonna worry about it being done. Uh, like I'm not worried if I like the words, or I'm not even worried if it has words yet. I'm, I'll start playing the song; and it'll just be some gibberish. How kind of micromanagey are you once the once you're in the studio with the song, or do you let people take it in their own direction? In some ways, I'm really yeah. a micromanager when I when I have an idea what I want it to be. At some, there are points when they are saying. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure. Like, I'm, I'll be saying, do it like this. Uh, yeah. not this. Uh, like, and they'll go, it sounds like the same thing. I'll go, but it's not. But sometimes I don't know what to do. And I'll just say, could you do something cool here? I don't know what to do. So I'm just thinking of like the hubris it must take to try to tell like, no, Nico Case, this is how to sing a song. And yet, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. sometimes it's like, yeah, well, this is. You've got a clear picture in your head of what yeah. it sounds like. I remember an early thing is on the first records, um, I would tell Nico because she she had that sort of twang in her voice, and I was saying like, can you sing it like it's more like a robot? Like can you can you can you sing it just with a well, just like yeah. you know just like no twang at all, just like ah, just like a laser beam, and that was the running joke was like sing it like a robot. And later she said she was singing on a Jacob Dylan record, and T Bone Burnett was um, uh, you know. Yeah, producing it, and they were trying to get the sound, and it, you know it wasn't working. And then she said, "Well, the pornographers they tell me to sing like a robot." And he said, "Yes, try that. Try singing like a robot." And apparently that worked. Yeah. So and so it was good to know. It was like, "You're welcome. You're welcome, T Bone Burnett." <laughs> like I, 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 sh- I showed you how to get. I showed you how to get those those classic uh, yeah ro- robotic Nico Case vocals. Now I think that's not telling her how to sing. It's you know when you're singing in harmony. When you're trying to get everybody in, in tight harmony, like there's not a lot of room for like lead singing. You know, like when she's a lead singer, it's like, you know, just you know, go do your thing. And sometimes you're just like you got you 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 want you want this tight ball of three or four people singing together. I think it's one of the nice things that's afforded the fact that everybody's got their own things going on at the same time that, you know, we can all come together and try to make this the best it is, but then obviously she and everybody else can go off and be themselves on their own projects. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally I've, I've been writing songs with Nico and that's interesting for me and in that I'm just, sometimes I'm just trying to like help her. Like, like I'm not, I'm not trying to interject my own thing necessarily. Yeah. I'm not saying what the melody was this. Like, Hey, I wrote a part for you. Sometimes I'm just going like, okay, how about a, you know, you know, how about that part's good? Well, how about if we use that part? You know, like it's 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 helping her in a way that I'm just stepping out of myself, and I'm not even I'm I'm trying to help without really interjecting. Just thinking, well, I think this part's really good. Like you should, that should be that sounds like a chorus to me. So yeah. How about this part is the verse, and how about if that you put that part later? And that I, that's that's fun because it's uh, it's almost like using a different being creative but using a different part of my brain. And you get to be the listener. You get to almost yeah. like enjoy the product in yeah. a way you can't when you're... Yeah, producing. exactly. Is there a, a kind of a tacit understanding at this point that um, every, you know, two, three, every couple years that the band's going to get back together and do this again? I, I don't know. Um, it just it just seems to happen. You yeah. know, like, like I, I want to start doing more recording. And 
I don't know. You want to do record? You mean like like I want to start or? working on a, on another record? Oh, like in fact, to yeah. the extent that we're we're actually going to do some more bed tracks like in less than a week, and on a day off of tour, and I I just want to keep making music and not like I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop just because it's like of scheduling, like like if. You know, like if I if I have another record done and Nico says, well, you know, I, I want to do my own record, then I think that's just a bridge you cross. You mean if she's unavailable for the next one? Yeah, like yeah. like like maybe I could get her to sing on it, but if she can't tour it, then then I think, okay, well, yeah, let's figure that out. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I mean, that that sounds like that's essentially what happened with Dan, at least on the last one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think Dan just started started getting like wrapped up in his own thing and like Destroyer was like taking up yeah. a lot of his time and to a certain degree as much as we're you know we're friends and we're still friends I think Dan did a lot of touring with us for money mm. <laughs> you know like I think I think we were like it was like an easy I think we were an easy day job you know like yeah, like, same, like it was much easier for him to just like yeah. come, come along and you know hang out and sing five or six or seven songs with us. You feel like it wasn't, like, creatively fulfilling for him in the same way? Um, well, it's just, I mean, not like, it's just different, because yeah. it's not, like, his his creation. Yeah. I think it was always, like, you know, like, we work together, but I think, you know, like, for Nico and Dan, the pornographers is always sort of, like, like a side thing. Yeah. You know, where, and it's, and it's, and it's my main thing. So I think it was creatively fulfilling for Dan, but I think it, but it was obviously different. You know, it was like, it was like Destroyer is his motorcycle, and the new pornographer is yeah. like the sidecar. Does he still? Is the sidecar still like waiting in the garage for him? Or I mean, yeah, I mean, he's always, I'll always be willing to do yeah. stuff with him. And in one of the songs in this record, you know, uh, basically co-wrote, and that you know, I sent the song to him, and I was like. Hey, do you have any ideas for this? And he like sent me, you know, like a like, bunch of like lyrics he'd written. And yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna use this. It's like I'm gonna use this line. I'm gonna use this line. I'm gonna use this line. And then I realized, okay, I guess this is technically our first co-write. So there, there'll always, there'll always be that. But I feel like it's, you know, we're almost 20 years into this. You know, like October 2020 will be like the 20th anniversary of a. Mass Romantic. So it's been going on. It's it's crazy how long it's been going on. You yeah. know, like we outlasted the Beatles by about twelve years. Yeah, you know? and a lot of bands. You know, I, I for me, I just want to keep making music and try. I try not to worry about all the other stuff, which is I don't want to say it's bullshit. Well, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to do stuff like this, but like I don't want to let all the other stuff bother me like like i hate worrying about does what do people think about the record what do the critics think about the record like how many tickets did we sell did we sell as many tickets as we did last time we came here like all that stuff it like i hate it because it it takes me away from what i what i love you know and and that's like making making the records and writing the records and it's fun and fun to play in front of people and you don't want that to be tainted by you asking yourself, like, is this enough? Are there enough people? <laughs> you know, like, uh, 
do the people like us? The, the idea of a band this band specifically is kind of an abstraction, and it's sort of like you'll cross whatever bridge when you come to it. Mm-hmm. You aside, are, are there anybody? Is there anybody you feel like like if they weren't involved in it, then it it wouldn't be the new pornographers? I I I really don't know. You know, yeah. um, like it, like if if Nico said like I hate you. <laughs> And I don't want to do this anymore. I think I'd still be making these records. You'd have other things to worry about. Well, I mean, I think I'd still be making these records, which sound very much like the new pornographers, yeah. but they wouldn't. They wouldn't have her in them. I mean, I don't think that's. But that doesn't seem like the case. You know, I feel like you know the relationship between Nico and I. I mean, arguably feels like stronger now than it's ever been. And and that's good. I mean, it doesn't mean like. She's all in, and she's like, I'm putting my solo career on the back burner, or that she'll always be playing with us. So, I mean, that makes me happy to know that as long as we're both still alive, I'm pretty sure I'll always be able to call Nico up and go, hey, will you sing on these songs? And that that feels like a great thing to have in your pocket. Yeah. And that you have this close friend who also has this laser beam of a voice that you can use in your songs. You know, I, I think I was saying, I was talking to somebody earlier. Living in Woodstock, there's a lot of older artists and musicians, and it inspires me that they they feel so relevant still. Like, I mean, not that people are still writing about them, or not that they're still a massive draw, but they're not old people. They're yeah. not old people waiting to die. They're you know, they're 80 years old. They're still doing their thing. You talk to them, and they're still sharp. They're still funny. They're still creating things. And I think that's what I want to do. I just want to do this until I die. Like, even if I stop, even if I'm not touring anymore. By this you mean music generally, or the yeah. pornographer specifically? Um, music. And and possibly, you know, the yeah. new pornographers. Possibly I will always be calling it the new pornographers. Yeah. Maybe 20 years from now, there will be new pornographers and... People will be going, he shouldn't even been able to use that name. There you go. That was a very frank and wonderful conversation with Carl Newman, of course, of the pornographers and a solo project, AC Newman. He's somebody I interviewed a long, long time ago, so good to catch up, albeit pretty short. Uh, We were a little bit rushed for time, and that one was recorded in the bathroom. But it was a beautiful bathroom, and it was a delightful conversation. The new pornographer's latest in the Morse code of brake lights is out now. One of their best records. Highly recommend you check that out. Thanks so much to him. Thanks to you as always for listening to the program if you like the show there are a number of ways to support us you can rate and review us on itunes google podcasts we're on spotify and youtube like us on facebook if you have any feedback it's rwellcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's rwellcast.tumblr.com and that's about all we got for this week so stick around because we're going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of riyl <laughs>